0: We're just going to jump right into the teaching Uh, this morning. We are in this series called What Would Jesus Actually... Do we're going through the Gospel of John, and what Jesus would actually do is memorize Scripture. You've had a couple of weeks off, right? We haven't done this together as church family, South County. You haven't, you know, done this with us. But what we're going to do is memorize, or this verse. Here's the, ver- here's one of two that we are supposed to have memorized for today. I only took out a few of the words, but let's uh, quote this together on three, and then we'll we'll uh, quote this one, two, three. I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of. All right. Good job. That's good. So, hey, let's continue to memorize these verses. These are Jesus's words. This is Jesus's words. And this is the place if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to get to the same place. That we're actually doing what the Father has asked us. Uh, to do. Uh, next week, next, this coming week, right? Today, start working on this one. John six thirty five. Jesus said that I am the bread of life. No one comes to me, or no one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. We'll unpack that in just a minute because we're in John chapter 6. Take your Bibles. Go to John chapter 6. We're going to see two signs today. We're going to see the fourth sign and the fifth sign. Remember, the Apostle John calls signs and we know them as miracles. He's going to talk about um, how Jesus fed the 5,000. And of course, that's just the men. That's not counting the women and the children and everybody else who's there. Many Bible scholars think that, you know, you're talking 15, 20,000 people who are actually fed from that little boy's, uh, you know, lunch. And that what John is trying to help us to see is that Jesus... If we had time to read through that whole story, you would see that Jesus cared about the need of the people. He was teaching them all day long. It's getting dark and He had compassion on them because they're going to get hungry. He knew they were hungry. And so he cares about our physical needs. The fourth sign is where John wants us to understand this. And Mark gets into uh, the the Gospel of Mark, talks about how the disciples were fearful. John doesn't even bring that up. You know what John zeroes in on? John zeroes in on that Jesus walked on the water. He was acting like he was going to pass right by them. And they notice him. And then um, he gets in the boat and immediately... There at the shore. What's John trying to do? Trying to help us to understand that Jesus really is God, that the creator of the uh, of water, that he made, you know, the physics of water now because he's the creator, right? he can walk on it. And and that he, in time to him, man, they were out there for like three or four hours, the text tells us. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets in the boat and they're at the shore. So John wants us to understand that Jesus really is the God, the creator of all this. But here's our big idea that I want us to walk away with today. And that is this. The way of Jesus is hard because it goes against everything inside of you. First of all, if anybody ever told you that following Jesus was easy, I'm sorry that they lied to you. Because they really did. It is not easy. It is not easy to follow the way of Jesus. It's hard because you and I have a sinful nature and it goes against everything inside of us to live our life like Jesus wants us to live our life. It's hard. You are not promised an easy, smooth sailing life because you follow Jesus. In fact, Jesus made it very clear. Life is going to be filled with suffering. Life is going to be filled with pain and heartache and tears. Life, uh, the way of Jesus is hard because it goes against everything inside of you. Um, But the outcome, the outcome of following Jesus is real life. For the present, but also everlasting. It's hard, but at night, no matter if your world was flipped upside down, no matter what that diagnosis is, you can still actually sleep. You can still actually have a peaceful day at work, even though it's so stressful. That's the way of jesus so let's talk about this john chapter 6 verse number 22 let's start right in verse number 22 the next day so after the feeding of these you know tens of thousands of people after jesus walked on the water and got to the other side it was the next day that the crowd that had stayed on the far side of the shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized that jesus had not gone with them Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. And so, when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to the uh, across to Capernaum to look for him. And they found him on the other side of the lake. And they asked, "Rabbi?" Notice the, what, how they acknowledge Jesus. Rabbi, who acknowledges Jesus as Rabbi? Disciples. They acknowledge that he's uh, he has authority. They acknowledge that there's something different about him. And so they acknowledge him as rabbi. That's what disciples call the person that they're following. These crowd people, and John will call them disciples. We'll see that later in the text. They ask him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And here's Jesus' response. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. You know, uh, in our language, like if Jesus was living in our, he would be, he'd be like 100%. Right? He would be like legit. This is what he said. That's what I tell you the truth. That's what that means. Right? So he's like 100%. You want to be with me because I fed you. You want to be with me because what you can get out of me. I wonder how many Christ followers are like that. You're, 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 you're so worried and concerned about you. And Jesus looks at these crowd disciples and he says, you just want to be with me because I fed you for what I can do for you. Not because you understood the miraculous sign or the miraculous miracle. You missed the point of me feeding, you know, all of you and your families and your kids. You missed the point. You missed the spiritual implication. And so he says, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. I think in our day he would say don't be so concerned about your career don't be so concerned about getting that person to like you don't be so concerned about making sure you know that you have x amount of money saved you know quit quit why are you so concerned about what you drive does it get you where you're going Why are you so concerned about this earthly stuff here? He says, spend your time seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. That's real life. Where should we spend our time and our energy? Seeking more of Jesus. Not climbing the career, the ladder of success, whatever that looks like in your sphere of work. He's just like, man, spend your time, spend your energy seeking me. In Christ follower, I'm asking you, is that how you spend your time? Is that like top priority for you to actually you know, like seek more of him so that you can be the best employee, so that you can be the best teacher, so that you can be the best student? Doesn't mean that we don't need to work hard at our whatever our occupation is. No, but when we get our whole life wrapped up in that and that becomes our identity, we've missed the point. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell them. Jesus um, or they replied to Jesus. Here's their response to Jesus. We want to perform God's work too. What should we do? Again, it's about them. The way of Jesus is hard because Christ's followers are so self-absorbed in themselves. And here they are again about what's in it for us. What can we do to have like what you have? How can we do those things? I want us to listen to Jesus' words because this could change your life. Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe. South County, did you hear that? South County, the only work that God wants from you is to believe. Cranston, this is the work that He wants from you. You know what believe means? Believe me means trust. It means that you actually trust Jesus, with your very soul. That you, you believe is an action on your part to place your faith in the person of Jesus. That you actually believe that Jesus died on the cross. And on that third day, He died on the cross for our sins. And then on that third day for our selfishness, you know, He died on the cross because of us. And then on that third day, He rose again. He overcame death. And He passes that on to you. That's believe. Now some of you are already there. Some of you already believe that. But you don't believe Him for your career. You don't believe Him for your marriage. You're not believing. Don't forget, believe means also trust. You're not trusting Him for your kids. You are trying to control every aspect. Of your career. You're trying to control every aspect of your kid. And when they're, you know, toddlers, that's easy to do. When they're elementary, that's, uh, you know, a, a little bit more of a challenge. They hit middle school, it's like, right? And then when they're in high school, parents, I'm telling you, if you don't live like this, bringing them to Jesus every day, God, I trust you with my kids. My kids are young adults now. You know what I still do? I bring them to Jesus every day as young adults. God, I just trust you. For Ashley, for Ryan, and for Jonathan, and for Katie Mae. I trust you. Because when I thought I could control, I don't have control See, we need to trust. Jesus is asking you, trust Him. You don't have control. I know it looks like you have control over your life, but I'm telling you, you don't have control over your life. And you fight that. Why don't you just come to God and say, I trust you with this circumstance. I trust you with my spouse. I trust you with my kids. I trust you with my finances. I trust you because you believe in me. And that's the work that Jesus is calling these disciples to. Now, they, what do they do? Look what they do. They say, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Again, they're missing the point. You see how deeply ingrained in us that it's about us? When you believe, you're placing your trust in Him, not you. you. Some of us believe only as far as we can control. Some of us believe or trust only as far as, you know, as, as it's capable within us to see the outcome. But Jesus calls you to a whole new level. When you can't see, when you can't predict, when you can't say A plus B is going to equal C, um, He's saying, trust me. Will you trust me? And they're just like, what can you do for me? And then they bring up this story in their history. This is a very famous story in their history. They start talking about the wilderness journey. This is so important uh, to uh, to these people, uh, these Jewish people. And it says, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say that Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus is so quick. Look what he says. He says, I tell you the truth. He's like, legit, 100%. Here's what really happened. Moses didn't give you that bread. Come on. Here's the legit story. My father did. That didn't come from... Moses didn't do some Harry Potter, you know, wave the magic wand and poof, you know, uh, bread from heaven came down. No. Jesus is like, no, it was my father. I was there. My father fed They fed your ancestors. It wasn't Moses. You had your faith in the wrong person. And that's why you're putting so much of your faith in the law, in the Torah. You're missing the point. The Torah points to me, Jesus would say, and we've learned about that in the past. He says, my father did, and now he offers you the true bread. From heaven, and then in case you miss that, he, Jesus is like so clear. These are Jesus' words. He's at, at this, these crowd disciples. He says, "The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven." I mean, come on, yeah, can't you see? Jesus like, "Here I am. I'm the true bread, and I'm the one who gives life to the world. Life that's satisfying. Life that is everlasting." Life when you are so tired of toiling, like you work so hard to try and make something happen and it doesn't happen and you get so disappointed. And Jesus is just like, oh, I'm the one. If you would seek me first, if you would just believe me and trust me, you're going to be able to sleep at night, even though it didn't turn out the way that you thought it was supposed to turn out. You're going to be able to show up at work and there's going to be a calmness in you because you believe that Jesus is the one that's in control, not your boss, not the person who signed your paycheck, that you actually believe that Jesus is the one who holds your life. And your destiny. Now, they said after Jesus says this, they're like, "Then give us more, give us that every day." But Jesus comes back to this, saying, "Because they're not getting it." And Jesus comes back and says, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, uh, uh, never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty." You see the satisfaction that Jesus brings to somebody's life. You know why when you got the job and the, and the role that you were like so striving for, you know why after a time that wore off? It's because it wasn't satisfying. It's just not. Do you know why when you get the new, you know, 4x4 four four Silverado all, all fully loaded, right? You know why that will wear off on Rick Moore? Because it's not really satisfying, Jesus is what's satisfying. You know why? When you are looking for everything for your life and your relationship with that person, do you know why you're not finding satisfaction there? Because that's not where satisfaction is found. Satisfaction is found first and foremost in the person of Jesus. And then your marriage, and then your relationship, and the, with your with your you know if it's a child and and um, parents, you know your relationship. Then, when we seek first Him, then those relationships can be all they can be and be very satisfying. Yes, but when you're making that the thing, then you've missed the point. And Jesus is saying, believe in me, because he is the bread of life. Here's what we can learn in this short, um, in this, uh, these short little examples of just in this chapter of the way that Jesus lived his life. So living a what would Jesus actually do life means that we will notice the needs of others. Jesus did that. He actually took time to notice the needs of other people. How different it would look for you to show up to your workspace, noticing the needs of other people. How different would your office look? How different would the factory floor work? How different would, you know, you, even if you show up, if you work remotely, what if you showed up remotely looking for the needs of other people? Like listening to their conversations in those telecom, you know, in those networking meetings, whatever. Um, what if you just showed up like listening, had an ear? Man, is there a need here? <clears throat> How many of you, uh, South County, this goes for you. I want everybody to raise their hand. If you are a brother or sister or you have a brother or sister, lift your hand. Everybody, lift your hand. Brothers, if you have brothers or sisters, right? You're a sibling. Okay. Now, keep holding. Keep your hands up. How many in the room are 16 and under? Keep your hands up. 16 and under. Keep your hands up. Okay. Um, uh, Juan, you're not sorry. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. I see some of you. Okay. Now, listen. Listen. Okay. You guys can put your hands down. 16 and under, brothers and sisters. What would it look like for you to wake up in the morning and look for how you can meet the need of your siblings? Yes, exactly. They're like, oh, oh, shock. This is the way of Jesus. If we are going to actually live our life like Jesus lived their life, that means... That means we're going to wake up and look for ways to actually serve our brother or our sister. And I know that sounds like ridiculous because I was there. I had an older brother who was eight years older than I was and we fought like cats and dogs. He didn't want me around him and I wanted to be around him but and that would always end up in fighting. And I remember one time I took a board I snuck up behind him. I took a board and I sh- I'm i in like third grade I remember jumping off of this thing. I don't know what it was but I, and I jumped down and I smacked him as hard as I could with this board. The board breaks over his back and he turns around and he starts chasing me. You know what I did? I ran to my mom, what any <laughs> third grader would do. Right? And my mom saved my life. <laughs> but you know what? What if instead of me looking to pick a fight of antagonizing, I'd line my, my, I had a younger sister. I have one, a younger sister. I'd line her animals up and I would I better not say this one. But I, here's what I, I can say this one. I would get him and I would just beat the crap out. I, I would just like, pop, pop. And then I would wait until she'd walk in the room and I'd make sure I'd hit her favorite one right in the face, right? And she would be like, oh, don't do that. And then my brother would hear and he'd come running and that would start another fight with me and him, right? What if I showed up in her room and said, hey, how can I play with you today? What can we do together to have some fun? Because that's what Jesus would actually do not the way I live my life with my siblings. And I'm serious. What if we... What if you as a 16-year-old brought your younger brother or your sister in, in and like you, you like welcomed them? You actually took time to like play with them. To get to know their friends. Instead of like pushing them out of your room so that you can play one more video game. What if we live our life like Jesus actually calls us to live our life? It's not just about meeting the needs of others in a physical or a spiritual way, or I I mean in in an emotional way. Because, you know, needs of others isn't always just a physical, it's an emotional thing. They need a word of encouragement. You could be the word of encouragement. But it's also Jesus met we, uh, we will notice the spiritual needs of others. In those places, we're going to be asking them that, those questions. We're listening for what's going on in their life. And then you look for an opportunity, a door to walk in with a verse. Hey, I heard you sharing this. Let me, let me um, share this verse with you I read the other day. I know your heart. I know um, Psalms 34 uh, tells us that God is near the brokenhearted. Do you know somebody that's brokenhearted? What if you just shared that verse? You want to know where God is? He's He's near the brokenhearted, those who are crushed in spirit. What if you just shared a verse like that with somebody? If they don't have to believe in God for you to do that. That's what Jesus would actually do. He would actually live his life like that. We had a team, um, a small team, that went out to Hamtramck, Michigan recently. And they went out there to meet a a physical need. But as they were meeting a physical need, what they were doing was adding water to seeds that were already planted for those global partners that we serve there in Hamtramck, Michigan. And sometimes when you go to serve like that, you kind of feel like, what am I even doing here? But what what they're doing is actually watering. And they're watering for that global partner so that global partner can take it further and possibly harvest the gospel with them one day. But I want you to take a listen to how um, they were impacted. I want you to listen to this video um, from, these, uh, from this team that went out to Hamtramck. Take a listen.
1: Welcome, we are the
2: Hamtramck team that went to Hamtramck, Michigan for the fall of 2023. We're here to kind of give a synopsis of what our trip was and perhaps some of the stories um, that would depict how we shared our faith in different ways. uh, um, I did like advocating with the four one we went with. It mm-hmm. was nice to see them in just a natural state, just the four of them having fun together, laughing. They're just like me and the other women. No, They're not Muslim any Muslim women. Muslim okay. women. They're okay. not any different than us. So, like, I didn't know how they would be, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: socially, if they would be awkward or anything, but
1: they were very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed, it was my first i Paul. This was my first mission trip. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect and what we were going to do. It was nice. We had a cookout one evening, and we got to actually um, share some of the vegetables from the garden with some of the local community. And I thought that was kind of on point of what we should be doing. Uh, so that was pretty
2: cool. Just, like, getting to, like, be... Hearing hearing this, the work that our friends out there are, are doing and, like... Um, and what God is doing in this community was so encouraging to me. Um, it gave me, you know, ideas of like, hey, like this is they're they're living here, they're doing life in this community. Um, I'm living here in Rhode Island. I can be, like, reaching people in a very similar way that, that they're reaching people. It looks different, but um, mm-hmm. but the thing that kind of stuck out to me, and uh, one of the reasons why, like, I'm glad I one of the numerous reasons why I'm glad I went is because I got saw a lot of practice just like following the Holy Spirit. Um, there was a ton of moments where I was like, where I was like, hey, you should say yes to doing this. Um, and I said, yes. And then immediately it was like, what did I just say yes to? Um, when, when we were going out um, to, like we were having that cookout, like Paul was saying, um, we were going to, house, to these two houses of these, these um, kids who work on the on the farm during like the weekend. And walking to the first house, I was like, I was recording the names so I pronounced them correctly. I was making sure we got the right house. I was on top of all that stuff. Um, and I was so, so nervous. And walking up to the first house, ringing the doorbell, I was kind of crossing my fingers and hoping that they weren't going to answer the door. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and so we, we knock on the first one, and ring the doorbell, no one comes to the door, and we were like, okay, you know, no one's home, so we, you know, we walk down, I'm thinking to myself, okay, okay, now we just have to, you know, go to the next house, maybe no one will be home there, and then no one will be at the cookout. And then I kind of my thinking kind of went from like like okay like you're you're gonna get through this to like why are you out here are you out here to be comfortable are you out here to walk to empty house to empty house and not meet anybody no you're here to to invite these people into community um, and to and to share the light of Jesus with them and to build relationships and so I was like well We want people to come here, so the next house that we're going to, I hope, like, I hope they're there so that we can, can, like, bring somebody, like, back and, like, have people at this cookout. Um, And then I was also like, well, what about this house that we were just at, you know, like, maybe, like, they'll probably be back in a little bit. I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't know their schedule but they, they they could be back on the like if, if we were to stop on the way back um, to the farm they might be there so I, I was like well yeah why don't we why don't we stop on the way on the way back um, and we stopped on the way back and then we got to see you know the father uh, the son you know we invite him um, he came as well um, and just like it, it ushered in a great like opportunity to uh, to like have community and to share it and share a little Jesus with them mm-hmm. it was the first experience of many you know on that trip where like the holy spirit was like hey you should do this and i was like okay how am i going to do this <laughs> um but it was just you know step by step following um what the holy spirit was going to tell me to do i feel like there's a little bit of a shift as we've been going from the physical work, that the farm is our reason for going, to more of the spiritual and relational, and even for the, the friends that we support there that, because mm-hmm. for me, it's it's very much about going to encourage and support them. And I feel like we got to do a lot of that this time, and so to me, like, the trip personally was a win. Okay? Did you press start on that? Oh, no. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> I won. Thanks for this,
0: Adam. So you can have a sense of humor and serve, right? So, but you don't have to go to tramming to do something like that. You know, for years, our, our um, church has partnered with the Providence Rescue Mission, right here locally, uh, for 25 years to be exact. We, we were the first church to show up with them, down there. It was our students who went in that what used to be a jewelry factory and emptied it out. It was our students who went in and ripped out walls so that some of our guys in our church, some of the men came in and built walls, hung drywall. And now our, our men's ministry has picked up this baton. And on the second Monday night of each month, Um, They organize a time for our church family to go there and serve the homeless and it's not just about serving them a meal It's about sitting down with them. I used to love to watch this I I used to be able to do this and and I used to be able to do it with the students We'd sit down with these and just ask them watch your story after as they're eating. We would just ask them. What's your story? And asking a simple question like that, you know, gives them their dignity. It helps them to realize that they're a human being. And yes, they maybe uh, have some kind of an addiction issue that's landed them there. It may, you know, uh, there's a, a, a thousand reasons why. But for those time, for that time that we're sitting there, they actually feel normal. And. We would walk away so many times. Our students would walk away so many times just blown away about the work that God is doing there. I want you to listen to Sean. Sean is the director. He's the one who started the uh, um, Providence Rescue Mission. So take a listen to Sean, inviting you to come and serve.
1: Good morning, Hope Church. My name is Sean Carew. I'm the executive director of the Providence Rescue Mission and your senior pastor Rick Moore asked me if I could shoot a quick video to you guys about the impact of volunteering at the mission and I'm more than happy to do it I have to let you know that when you volunteer at the mission there's many things you can do you can help feed you can help with chapel service you can help with clothing you can help with food distribution you can pray for people you can help people in so many ways at the mission God always uses volunteers down here, but I have to tell you time and time again in the last 25 years here in Providence, Rhode Island, I hear from volunteers on a regular basis the same simple message. They tell me time and time again that every time they come, they get more out of their time at the mission than they give to the people they serve. And isn't it funny how God's like that? We think we're going to serve people, and God serves us, and He blesses us. And that's how it is when you volunteer at the mission. So you're welcome to come down here. We're open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We constantly do breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. We have food distribution to the public 3 times a week. We do clothing distribution. We have chapel every evening. We have different events for the men, different events for the women. So there's many, many things you can do. You can look at mentoring men or women that are on our one-year discipleship program. It's really pretty wide open down here for all the exciting things that you can do with God. So I want to encourage you. I know that you can reach out to Jennifer Cobb, and she will set up a time for you to come and explore what God wants to do with you to impact those in need in our great state. So God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you at the mission. Have a great Sunday morning.
0: Yeah. So um, here's here's what we want to do. We want to just pause, and um, we want to pray. We, we want, you know, we dedicate our tithes and our offerings because this is where our resources go so many times. And we're going to pause and we're going to pray over these offering boxes. Whether you gave online, these boxes just represent and uh, they represent um, the, what's happening. And your sacrificial giving allows us to do hand tramming trips. Your sacrificial giving allows us to serve there at the Providence Rescue Mission. And it allows us to continue to do the things here. And we want to pray for our Acts 1-8 team. Our Acts 1-8 team helps us to be, they help facilitate this. Our Acts 1-8 team is made up of our local outreach team, our global mission team team and then also our strategic focus team, and we want to ask God we, all three of those teams are praying Jesus bring people to these teams we need people on all three of these areas and there'll be a moment in the next in the uh, connection card where you can respond to that but let's pray Jesus we're praying we are praying that your hand would continue to be with those who go and serve in him Um, Father, we're asking that you would continue to raise up an army of people who would see themselves. God, they would just come to you and say, God, do you want to use me globally in some way? Maybe there's somebody in South County. Maybe there's somebody right here in Cranston that you're calling to be a global uh, partner, a missionary uh, across the, the ocean somewhere. Jesus, if that's what you're doing, then God, we are looking to you. We're asking you to come and work in that way. Father, we are asking you to work locally right here, whether it's through the Providence Rescue Mission, the Refugee Dream Center, partnering with Stadium Elementary School, Fostering Hope. There are so many arms to our local outreach, and Jesus, you know we need more people to be able to serve on this team. Raise them up, we pray. Use the resources um, that we have here to help us in a strategic way as we partner with this country um, that is so... desperate need of you. The country of Yemen, father, those, uh, the people in Yemen, they need you. And God, that land is broken and is filled with heartache and pain. Jesus, please come and work. And that way we pray in your name, because you are Jehovah Chirah, the God who provides in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. We're going to wrap up. And as we wrap up, we cannot leave this text without looking at these verses because Jesus looks at him and he says, But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. He says, I am the true bread that came down from heaven. And anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, but will live forever. And look what happens. And many of the disciples said, this is very hard to understand. They're like, this is too hard. There's like... How can anyone accept this? How can anyone do this? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. And so what does he say? Does this offend you? Is this way too hard for you? I think Jesus would stand and look at us. Cranston, Hope Church, South County. He would stand and look at us and he would say, Is my way too hard for you? what happens in verse 66 at this point many of his disciples many of these proud disciples the ones who were calling him rabbi many of them turned away and deserted him and then jesus would turn and look at the 12 and he would say to them are you also going to leave and jesus would look at us and he would say are you going to leave because it's so hard I told you it was going to be hard. I told you it was was going to be hard. And Peter was like, no, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life, meaning that your word satisfies. John wants us to remember what we learned in chapter one, that Jesus is the word and that he satisfies. You have eternal life. You have real life. And you're the only place. Peter was a small business owner. Peter was married, and Peter realized that in his business, there wasn't the satisfaction that he was hoping for. In his marriage, without Jesus, it didn't have the satisfaction that it could have. And so he's like, where are we going to go? There's nobody else. We believe. Remember what we said the big idea? The way of Jesus is hard because it goes against everything inside of you. But the outcome is real life, both in the present... Both for your marriage, as you parent, as you do your job. But it's also for the here and after. It's also life everlasting. See, it's hard but it's not impossible. South County, it's hard, but not impossible. Peter came to say this. Look what Peter said. By his divine power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. Church, let's stand right where you are. South County, stand where you are. Everybody stand. And we are going. We are going to build our life on this truth. The truth that you have everything that you need to live a godly life in the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I can do this. Is it hard? Yes, but impossible? Absolutely not, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's build our life on the truth of who Jesus is, and let's acknowledge that through this song.